This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 515, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Malakalikimaka is a thing to say. On a bright Hawaiian Christmas day That's the island greeting that we send to you From the land where palm trees sway Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 515. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello, sir. And that's it. And Josh Flanagan is on assignment. Again. <laughs> Listen, this is a hard month, all right? <laughs> this is the TB Ward show. Yeah, but we're going to hear from him later on in the show, so uh, That's true. That's all's true. not lost. That is true. Yeah. So who are we? We are a fanboy. We like comics. We read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books, talk about some other stuff, get some listener mail in. It's the end of the year, so we'll talk about our favorites from the year. Basically, Ron and I have a fun time while attempting to not cough straight into the microphone. <laughs> just uh, just to the left or right of it just, Or below, just not right <laughs> into it We'll do our best, we're only human Listen, there are no promises, we make no promises And we can give you a spoiler warning as well This is a review show, there'll be some spoilers So exercise some caution Because you don't want to have your experience ruined yep. Just No one does Just like we don't want our Star Wars experience ruined Right, exactly 
I was watching TV this morning, Ron, and there was an ad for this week in 60 Minutes, and it was, go behind the scenes of the new Star Wars movie. And I was like, you eat two 60 Minutes, everyone? I'm, I'm literally this close to going into a bunker and not coming out until Thursday night. Can't you run that show the weekend the movie comes out? And uh, not the weekend before? Yeah. God nope. damn it. I know. What can you do? Connor, this is our lot in life. I know. In the meantime, you had the pick. I did have the pick. It's again, I mean, it's echoing uh, Josh's pick last week. And, you know, these are these are tough. These are tough weeks in the world of comics. Sometimes yes. some, it, it definitely has been feast or famine where there have been weeks where you're just inundated with all these great books. And then there are other weeks where you're inundated with a lot of books that came out. A lot of books. A lot of books, and it's and it's hard to hard to narrow down the one that jumps out at you that 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 does. You know, there's some great you know some great books came out this week. I mean, the new Twilight Children, we had new Batman, we had new Secret Wars. You know, all that sort of stuff. But as I'm reading them through, it's like you know what I you know our our mandate is we find the book that we enjoyed the most, right? right. And, for whatever and reason. For whatever reason, and we're all you know unique. And we all have different things. And I got and as I finished reading through my books, I had about. I think I had about like 12 or 13 books I read this week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, The Ultimates number 2 is the real deal, I think. It's good. It's a good it's a good book. It's really good. So the the Ultimates uh written by Al Ewing and with art by Kenneth Rocafort and for me I kind of see this as a this is a little bit of a underdog redemption story with writer Al Ewing um because he is someone whose work I have not enjoyed up to this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he did that other New Avengers book that I barely made it through the issue and yeah, I was like, yeah. well, then I have to read that series. And all the other stuff that he's written, there have been some stuff here and there. Like he wrote some Battle World stuff, he wrote some Secret Wars stuff that that was was okay, but nothing had jumped out at me. And it just it just seemed to me like another you know kind of middle of the road you know kind of you know guy that that you know Marvel will plug in to do some stuff and you know a British writer, so he, of course he's probably done Dread and all that sort of stuff. And and you know there there are lots of those guys, and some of them are good, some of them aren't so good, you know. And some of them you know you don't have to like every creator, you don't have to be like you know a, a huge fan of them. Like every creators every work yeah exactly yeah that, and that's and that's a real tough thing to understand because a lot of times we we as we've evolved in this in our comic you know kind of tracking we talked we talked a lot we used to talk a lot about this uh, years ago but it's like do you follow the jersey or do you follow the player right you know, and we we kind of moved. I feel like in the two thousands, we moved from a world where we you root where we where we rooted for the logos, and then we migrated to rooting for the players. I think it's probably a mix. Yeah, well, a little bit. I mean, no, but I think it's even more so now, where it's like you know, if if Greg Rucka is writing a new book for any company, will you look at it? Right, but that's yeah. that's where the mix comes in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, do you mean logos of the company or logos of the characters? Both. Yeah, see, I'm still in the mix because I still want to read the certain characters. Mm, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I guess, I guess the, the point is that so I think for me is that sometimes a writer clicks with certain characters. And these, these are very different and unique characters in that they're not, these are a bunch of people that are not used a lot. Yeah, and also sometimes writers that you really, really like write characters that just don't click with you at all. You know, like we'll talk about that later in the show, like with Scarlet Witch and James yeah. Robinson. You know, like, but anyway, but so you know, so for whatever reason, I've been you know kind of you know you know not not a you know not a huge supporter of Valuing's work, but but I loved Kenneth Rocafort years ago from his work at Top Cow. I was excited to see him get kind of a big push by DC with the New Fifty Two launch and to see them kind of you know give him parameters and restrain him and kind of not let him go crazy in the in the way that I liked about what he was doing at Top Cow and then I just didn't follow through with his work because it was just not what I was looking for. So it's great to see them come together on this Ultimates book which honestly Ultimates is the kind of book that it's like it's ripe to do something unique with because it's it's done, you know? Like the the best Ultimates work was done 10, 15 years ago, right? Yeah, but it's interesting because it hasn't occurred to me until this very moment that you talked about it that I'm not sure how I feel about them continuing to use the name The Ultimates in a non-Ultimates setting. I mean, this isn't a book taking place squarely in the Marvel Universe as we know it now, but using that title that was so defined, yeah. The Ultimate Comics. And right. it just occurred to me. Because I, I, you know, reading digitally at this point, we talk about a lot how we don't even look at, barely look at covers anymore. And at this point, it's almost like titles are becoming irrelevant as well. Yeah, and I just it just occurred to me now. Like, oh, is that okay? Do I feel how do I feel about that? It is it is okay. And, and, and what's interesting is that they've just, they've just co opted the name. You know, like the, so this new team. You know, the, the, this team of Captain Marvel and Ms. America and Black Panther and Spectrum, who used to be Monica Rambeau, who used to be Captain Photon. Marvel also. Yeah, Captain Marvel also, and Blue Marvel, who's a, is a character that I'm not that. Familiar I don't know with. anything about Blue Marvel. I don't know anything about Blue Marvel at all, but it's a pretty cool character. And you know, they are a team that they've dubbed themselves the Ultimates, so it's whatever. And like, and they're the one liner is the impossible is where they start. 
And like, that's a great premise. Yep. And how better to start this than with Galactus? And what, what's really what's really interesting is that this is the second issue. And so the first issue, we kind of, you know, we got established that there's this team. And then we got presented that there's a problem with Galactus. And what was really interesting is like we talk a lot about recap pages and like knowing where they are. First page I thought that was this was great was that Blue Marvel addressing everyone publicly and saying how the Ultimates believe in transparency and accountability. Yeah. And this is what's going on. It worked and it worked as a functional recap within the story. Yes. Which which is a great it's like, device. It's like their their ultimate video blog. Yeah, exactly. And then basically what what you have is you have you know they 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 take on Galactus and in and handle it in a different way. Like I feel like Galactus is a t- and like and like wow, way to come out of the gate with Galactus. Like that's right. always like ballsy. Yeah, it's ballsy. It's it's something to build up against. And I'm sure that there are Marvel purists who who hate this issue because really? what this issue I'm sure there are because what this issue did is this issue goes back and defines an origin for Galactus. It's not new, is it? I mean, that's his origin, right? Uh, p- potentially, but I feel like I feel like the less known about Galactus, it's like the mystery kind of thing, right? You know, problem. Yeah, I, I I didn't know his his origin. Yeah. So when I read this, I I actually immediately went to Wikipedia to look up to see if this was his origin, and it right. was it was in Wikipedia as this. So I don't know yeah. if this is somebody super fast in Wikipedia adding this, or if this is his origin. I don't know. Someone more versed in Galactus can. Yeah, I don't remember either. But either way, we get a little snapshot of how Galactus came to be, and then that kind of that that allows the team to devise a plan to take him down, and they take him down in a couple in a series of just stunning double page spreads by Roquefort. Yeah, and this is and this is the Roquefort that I had always hoped for, and always you know like you know like kind of the un unfettered you know unrestrained you know dynamic panel really strong storytelling um you know you know unique characters just all together just great and i'll I'll be honest they they for the first time ever they take uh galactus and put a spin on him and a little a little bit of a remind a little bit of a hearkening to the green lantern stuff i i I had that thought oh yeah by the end of the issue, what they did was they uh, they pushed Galactus back into his incubation chamber of, of what how he was born all the millennia years ago, and they kind of tinker with it. And I'll read the book for the more details of what they do. And Galactus is reborn, but is instead of a devourer of life, he is now a giver of life. And it ends with him in his new yellow and white costume, you know, bathing a dead planet with this yellow light and having it, you know, kind of almost like the Genesis Project in Star Trek. Genesis. Uh, but you know, but that's it. But you know, that's an interesting twist on Galactus. We've never right. seen that before, right. and and it's like, how do you you, you t- take a negative and turn it into a positive? And now, what will the ramifications of that be? So yeah, I mean, I, I just think that visually it's stunning. I think it's challenging from a um, a reading standpoint and from uh, you know everything that we know of Marvel, and just it's great to see. And like it's it's like one of those quiet in this relaunch. It's like, oh wow, you should be reading the Ultimates because this is really something y- unique. It's so. fun, and also we talked about this last week. This is a book that actually does feel like a part of a relaunch. Absolutely. It feels different. It feels like a fresh take. It yeah. feels like a fresh universe while still being familiar. This is the kind of thing I was expecting out of this all-new Marvel. Yeah. For that reason, and because it's fun, and because the art is wonderful, this is one of the handful of books I've stuck with since. That I've, yeah. you know, of all the books I've sampled, this is one of the ones I've stuck with. Yeah, it's a blast. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of fun. So uh, so good job, Al, you and Kenneth Roquefort. I'll keep on reading, um, and I encourage you guys. It's only two issues in. You can go back and get the first issue probably at your local comic book store or uh, digitally. But check it out. I mean, it's definitely it's, – it's not tied to anything else that's going on in the Marvel Universe. It's its own little kind of like thing. It's got space. It's got science. It's got – you know, it's, it's all – it hits, hits on all the notes of the things that I'm interested in. So I dug it. I don't know what you're about to say about the next book, but I thought the fun – Descriptor could also be applied to Secret Wars number eight. Well, it, my my big thing about Secret Wars number eight is is uh, yes, I agree with you about the fun uh, aspect, but uh, God damn, this is beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous, and I like, think I think uh, that's one of the key reasons I don't get super mad at it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's causing a lot of problems. It doesn't completely make sense, but this this was supposed to be the end. We were supposed to be celebrating the end of Secret Wars, and everything was supposed to start, you know, after this, but uh, to be concluded. Right. Next <laughs> month. Yeah. How can you hate a book where the characters ro- ride in like they're in Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones with mm. you know horns and ready? You know, it's going to be a giant battle. Very, very Helm's Deep esque. Yeah. Very Helm Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody converging on Doom's castle and just like, in, in chaos and huge giant thing and giant. Giant Groot and just and hordes of hulks and just yeah. like it. <laughs> Esau Ribic just blowing the doors off. Yeah, he is unbelievable. Yep, 
Uh, wasn't there another panel where everybody was shocked again? I love those panels. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And and it's I love the I love the expanded eyes. You know, like the the. the <laughs> but yeah. No. It, it is. And the thing is, like, it's a little chaotic, but that's the point in the story, and so it's supposed to be. You know, and there there are some things that you know, like I was excited to see. You know, huge thing facing off against. Uh, 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 no, facing off against Galactus. Oh, right, um, right, yeah. You know, as powered by uh, which kid is that? Is that Franklin? Franklin, or? yeah, Franklin. Yeah, powered. yeah, it's yeah. Like the husk by. of Galactus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then you know, it's kind of sad to see thing kind of just give up. So yeah. that was kind of sad, you know, like that. You know, so you know, like definitely the ups and downs of the story. You know, a dramatic moment when Peter Quill takes out Groot and Groot destroys the castle, and you know. You know, very, very cool stuff. Great standoff between Doom and Thanos. You know, you think that Thanos will have the upper hand on Doom, but, you know, Doom isn't to be denied. Um, and then great cliffhanger. Just great, you know, kind of a uh, moment with, you know, Black Panther and Namor arriving with uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it definitely it definitely has that action moment. It feels, it feels like a big summer blockbuster movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is what these events should be. I mean, when they're successful, that's the feeling that you get when you read yep. them. Yeah, it hasn't always worked out that way, but that's the feeling. You're supposed to, it was supposed to be that the big right, the big yeah, the big summer crossover used to be, which it used to be, and then it was like it's supposed to feel like this giant, you know, thing that happened, and it's, it was fun. I guess I have to get used to a lot more Peter Quill and Groot now in my life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's for sure. Because there's like nine Guardians books now, and all the uh, jeez, yeah, I feel like they're showing up everywhere. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's if you go big, go, go big or go home, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is the world we live in now, Connor. I, I realize. I understand. I yeah, Jessica. Batman 47. <laughs> uh, we're, we're inching closer to the end of this particular storyline in which uh, James Gordon is Batman and Bruce Wayne's got amnesia. And This was good. This, things are starting to happen now, obviously, as we're getting towards the end. Bruce is starting to have flickers of memory. And I thought two things of note in this. One, it, you know, it goes without saying every month, but I think this was a really great showcase for Greg Capullo, especially when I've been seeing a lot of this version of Batman and a lot of other books. Yep. His take on it is is just really great. I mean, there's a bunch, you know, I read like eight Batman books this week because there was a bunch of Robin War tie-ins and I wanted to try them all. And there was two issues this week where Gordon looked like he was 25 and took the mask off. Like they didn't even attempt to draw him as a, as yeah. a middle-aged man. But here you really get the sense that this is sort of this lean, wiry guy who is in good shape, but he's still, you know, old. And right. you really get that sense of physicality from Capullo's work. But to me, that this this issue had the scene of the week in which Bruce is starting to remember who he is, and he returns to that bench that we saw him at at the end of the Joker storyline, and and that's when an amnesiac Joker shows up as well. And I thought that was a really creepy, fun scene. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the end of this storyline. I'm looking forward to Bruce regaining his memory. I'm looking forward to getting back to some semblance of normalcy. But in the meantime, this is just a gorgeous, gorgeous issue. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was great. I mean, it's I thought the fight between quote unquote Batman and the creepy oh, sea yeah, that guy. Was a great fight. Great fight. Yeah, it was it was a great well, you know, like chess move fat fight and Mr. Bloom. And uh, Mr. Bloom. And to see the um you know, the hesitancy that Gordon has. Like he doesn't have the confidence that Bruce did. No, not at all. You know, which which gives him a vulnerability and he's kind of Especially without his armor. He's you know yeah. very vulnerable. Yeah, and he's and he's kind of, well. He's not. He's not. He's not completely without anything. You know, what no, I mean, like that. Not, that yeah. suit. The suit he's in has got some tricks and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But the you know, like there, there's a improv, improvisation that he's doing that is kind of fun to watch and fun to see. But what what I understand now, now I don't read the bat books that closely or whatever. But what I didn't understand was that at the end of the story, you know, and they have Bloom, you know, handcuffed, mm-hmm. and Gordon goes to talk to him with the cowl off. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and 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 Bloom says, but Jim, you know, let's talk yeah, to him as if he knows. That was really weird. Yeah, and I don't know if it was an earlier issue that I missed or I didn't know it or whatever that they found out who he is or whatnot. But like, you know, but like, okay, well, are we gonna are we gonna be Batman or are we gonna be Jim? What are we gonna be? Who are we gonna be? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Like in a lot of these Batman books, everyone is calling uh, Dick Grayson uh, by his by his name. Right. And it's like, well, even in one of the books, Gordon did. So I was like, well, at this point, then. He can put the pieces together. Right. The pieces are not that far apart. I mean, it's just like, oh, so if you're Dick Grayson, then you're then Bruce Wayne. I mean, it's yeah. just like, they're getting a little rickety with all this stuff. Yeah, a little shaky. A little shaky. More than a little, but what are you going to do? Yeah. 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 So, what, what it was good. It was a good issue. Yeah. Well, so uh, so you are still off of Spider-Man because you don't like Dan Slott, right? No, I just, it's been a long time. I was a big yep. fan of his when they rebooted, you know, Brand New Day. Yeah. I read it for years and loved it, but... 
you know, after a while, you want you want a new take, a new vision on the character. Sure. Just, I just, I need a new take on Spider-Man. Now, now I th- and I think that the work that Slot did prior to Secret Wars was fantastic. I thought, I loved, I enjoyed the run. I thought it was great. I thought the Doc Ock, the Superior Spider-Man stuff was amazing. The way he came back was amazing. Right. Everything that came up from it. Since the latest relaunch, we're on, so we're on Amazing Spider-Man number four came out this week. So since issue one... And the whole premise is, you know, Peter Parker's gone global. That's what it says on the on the opening page. Right. It is one of those things where this feels like, do you remember that last Avengers relaunch when Bendis was still on it? And we're like, oh, it's time to go, man. Yeah, after they basically ended the book and it kept going. Yep, yeah. yep. I get what he's doing. I get what they're doing by having Peter be, you know, Peter now has a successful company and he's working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and he's all over the map and he's got all this great tech and he's having all this great fun. And it just is just feels completely rings completely hollow of what Spider-Man is. I, I just I don't like this. Yeah. I mean, I read I read the first yeah. issue of this reboot, so I, I know the premise of it. I don't like this version yeah. of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I think I think it's definitely a case of. Not that, and I don't think that Dan slots out of ideas, but maybe it's time to let somebody else do it for a little while, and maybe come back or what you know, whatever, like recharge or whatever. Like I just feel like it's going wide and it's going big and it's going too wide and too big. It's been ten years, right? Oh, has it? Jesus, it's got to be close to it. Yeah, brand new day was a long time ago. That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like for example, like this issue, this issue had. Spider-Man in a spider jet with Mockingbird going off to participate in a big shield. You know, shield is, uh, is having a – they have a big uh, operation and Spider-Man's a key part of it. And on the way, he gets a Skype call from Aunt May who's in – who's in uh, – where, where she's in? She's in Madagascar or, or, or I don't know where she is. They're in Africa somewhere helping. You know, they, they, he's, they've started the charitable Uncle Ben Foundation. Right. And what they're doing, um, the the village they're feeding gets attacked by goblins, and so Peter goes, oh, "I got to go help May," and like ejects Mockingbird out of the jet because she says, "No, you've got to help Shield." And then he flies immediately to go help May. Like it's too, it's just too big, and it's too all over the map, and it's trying to fold in what made Spider-Man so great with this kind of global high tech kind of thing, right. and it's just not, it's just, it's just not working for me. It's just not working, and it's sad because I like what what Slot has done, and I like the, some of the inventive things he's done with it. But it's almost like, well, what you know, like what if Spider-Man had unlimited resources and had unlimited tech and could do all this fun stuff? And and it's like, all right, yeah, well, what if? But that's not always an answer we we want. You know, it's not always a question we want answered. It's been not ten years; it's been eight years. It was close enough. It's Jesus, pretty close. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I I like the idea of Peter having a company and having technology and doing cool stuff with it, but it's just like pump the brakes a little, mm-hmm. you know. You know, I don't know. Uh, maybe and maybe I'm old fashioned, or maybe it's whatever. But it's just, it's, I, I just, it's, I, I feel as if it might be time to pass the baton. That's all I'm saying. I just feel like Spider-Man works best when he's the down and out hero of the Marvel universe. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. And when he's Marvel like, universe has a Tony Stark already. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and a Hank Pym and a Danny Rand and all these characters who are globe trotting, wealthy industrialists. Yep. Inventors. Yep. You know, they had there's a lot of those. There's not a lot of like trying to make the rent superheroes. Now I understand that, that which is had... one of the reasons why people love him so much in the beginning, in the first place, was he was so relatable. Right. Yeah. And and I and I understand the feeling that we've had, you know, sixty years of trying to pay the rent or whatever it is, but like it it works, you know, and like you can do. And and the thing is that like I thought Slot successfully navigated that in his last in the last major run, especially with the Doc Ock stuff and all that sort of stuff, where he was working at Horizon Labs and he was had that technology, but he was still on on edge and always, you know, on the brink of failure and trying to make everything work and trying to juggle and everything. And, and again, I get wanting to do new things. I want, I get wanting to take risks and challenges, but you got to stay to the core of the character. And I, I just feel like this is deviating away from the core of the character, you know, right. which is unfortunate because, you know, Kamikali is still doing great on art. And that's the other thing too, is just, that it just kind of feels, I don't know. I mean, like it's been a long time. I mean, there's there's such a thing as I mean, like we we made the joke I referred to when Bendis was on Avengers. I mean, you know, you go to a party, mm-hmm. and you can either leave at at twelve thirty one or you can stay until four. Right. And 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 quite often the people who stay till four are, are should have gone home earlier. You know, like and that's you know just because you're having a good time doesn't mean it's going to go on all night. You know, right. and like that that's the that's the kind of thing. But who knows? I mean, slot, slot might be able to surprise me and turn around or whatever. But right now, is this these first four issues, especially this issue, have been have been a slog for me. Like I don't want I don't want Spider Man working with Shield. 
Like, I just right. don't. I mean, when every now and then, like, in a crossover, something happens, but, like, it's got to be, like, a weird circumstance, and then Spider-Man's got to be like, well, I got to get home. You know, like, I need I need to go do, do this, whatever, you know, and, like, it's, it's yeah, I don't know. The rent is too damn high, Ron. Rent is too damn high. Well, speaking of the rent being too damn high, uh, we do have rent over here at ifanboy.com. We just got virtual rent, but uh, we need your help. Uh, like Spider-Man, we need your help paying the bills and keeping the rent and keeping the lights on. So you can go to ifanboy.com slash support where you can find a whole bunch of ways where you can help out the ifanboy. Uh, I was going to say the ifanboy menace, but I was going to say the, the ifanboy mission. The ifanboy menace? Um, yeah. I don't know why menace dropped into my head. That's weird, dude. That was a weird slip. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but anyway, so um, ifanboy.com slash support. There you can find links to shop on Amazon. It's the holidays. You know, I'm sure if you're like me, you're doing a lot of your shopping right now on Amazon. And the best way to help us out while you're doing that is just go to ifanboy.com slash support, click on the link to Amazon, and any of the purchases that you make, a little a little bit goes our way. Uh, it doesn't come out of your pocket. It comes out of Jeff Bezos's pocket uh, and the Amazon shareholders. So unless you own stock on Amazon, it doesn't affect you at all. Otherwise, we're sorry. Sorry, yeah, but uh, yeah, but that's that's the that's the best way to uh, help us out, especially during this holiday season of giving and all that sort of stuff. So uh, definitely go do that. If you want to help us in a more direct route, you can sign up for an iFanboy membership, where you can sign up for three dollars a month or thirty dollars a year and share your support on an ongoing basis. And we thank everybody who's done that. We appreciate you guys. You guys are our lifeblood. Um, and finally, there you can you can have a single click donation where you can uh, chip into the iFanboy uh, mission and donate of any a one time donation of any amount that you like. And actually. A bunch of people have done that in the past couple of weeks. I guess it's a year-end kind of thank you, and we thank them for that for doing that. And if you're thinking about it, please uh, head over there and donate uh, whatever you can. We appreciate it. We know times are tough, but uh, we thank you. We continue to give you this podcast for free, and we'll continue to do that as long as everybody's helping us out at the same time. It's dollar for dollar. We appreciate it, and thank you for your support. So I was very curious to read Scarlet Witch number one from James Robinson. So was I. He's having you know, a bit of a mini renaissance with Airboy, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yep. And he seems to be at home right now with the Marvel Universe, and I did not like this. <laughs> yeah, well, well. So it's important to note that this is uh, this is with art by Vanessa Del Rey, yes. who has done a bunch of stuff at Boom. Who I think that she's a very very talented artist. And when I was at Image, I was trying to figure out ways to get her to come work at Image, but you know, it didn't work out and all that sort of stuff. So it was really interesting to see her team up with James on this title. That said, I did not like it either. Her art is good. I didn't like it for this particular story, and I didn't. I didn't like yeah. it. I didn't. The idea of doing Scarlet Witch as a literal witch, yeah, is interesting on its face, but I didn't actually like it. I think it's partially because of the way they're changing the characters to make them inhumans. Yeah. Which bugs me. I wanted to really like it. I wanted to like it. Yeah, this boils down to when we were talking earlier about the connections that we feel with characters and things like that. I don't have a huge connection to Scarlet Witch. I also don't have a huge connection to magic and mystical and all that sort of stuff. That stuff just bores me, right? You like Doctor Strange, though. Well, yeah. Well, well, no. But the thing is, is that like Doctor Strange is pushing the limit of and the the, the uh, pushing the limit of my liking of that and the only reason why i'm kind of on board for dr strange right now is because i think jason writes amazing characters and bocello's art is just fun to fun to read but this you know definitely it definitely i get it from a craft standpoint it was good mm-hmm. like i you know james is a fantastic writer and this was fantastically well written i think vanessa del rey captured the dark and moody kind of atmosphere that of a book about a witch you know in the city would be and all that sort of stuff it's just at the end of it i'm like eh, i don't think this is for me right you know that said i i think it could be for some you know like i i think that if somebody if somebody was really into witchery or um or the scarlet witch or anything like that you could i mean this would be right up your alley and i think the 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 art as well i think is worth uh checking out because I, again i think she's very very talented but it just didn't click you know yeah it didn't click i didn't think it was it, i don't think it didn't click because of the creators i think it didn't click because of me you know and I, I, when i say i didn't like it i didn't think it was bad i just i don't like this direction for the character yeah uh, i didn't think the art fit for me and uh it didn't make me want to read more really Right. I do want to give a shout out to the, as always, amazingly talented Jordi Belair, who did color it. Mm-hmm. And I think the coloring is, is a strong, strong part of the mood of the book and did a really great job of, of making the reds really punch out. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. The scenes are Scarlet Witch is walking through the city and like, and, and like it, it's, it's just very, very well done, of course. I mean, because Jordi's great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. goddamn, I love that David Aha cover. The cover was wonderful. The cover was great. Yeah. 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 But yeah, but maybe this is up your alley. Who knows? Maybe we're wrong. Yeah. We, we've been keeping an eye on Vertigo. 
And uh, there was another new series uh, from Vertigo called New Romancer, number one, written by Peter Milligan, uh, with art by uh, art by Brett Parson. And this was silly fun. I mean, you know, like it's funny because, you know, some of the some of the stuff that we've been seeing from Vertigo has been from new creators or different creators. And Peter Milligan is a bit of a mainstay at Vertigo. He's been doing stuff on an ongoing basis. And sometimes some of his stuff is a bit heavy for me and it's a bit, you know, can be a bit out there. Mm-hmm. But this is, you know, comically grounded in the world that we live in, but also kind of out there. Did you read it or? No, because I, I had so many books this week that I didn't look at anything new, but I'm I'm looking online and it does look, I like the art a lot. Yeah, the art the art is very um, you know kind of cartoony, fun, um, you know Rob Guillory esque, although right. not, not as extreme. And basically, the story is about a girl who works at a uh, a dating app, and through some bizarre you know stuff that goes on, she's been creating fake profiles for people uh, that are based off of her favorite poets and writers, so like Byron and you know th- things like that. And then through a weird kind of experiment, the profiles get merged to these bodies that are being experimented on in the secret kind of organization. And now, you know, Byron comes to life and is out there in the world. And so right. is, uh, yeah, and so at the end of it, we see who our, our villain probably is, but is, uh, you know, Cas- uh, the original Casanova. Right. You know? Interesting. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's a fun, you know, kind of, you know, like a bad idea gets out of control, you know, like that sort of thing. And, and, and it, you know, kind of playfully poking fun at the world of dating apps and things like that, that we're at now. Yeah. Just fun. It was a, it was a, it was a fun little romp. So, uh, I'll keep reading it. Just have, you know, I might go back and check this out. I like the art. A yeah. Lot. Yeah. A little, little humor too. So, you know, that's good. Speaking of humor, Starfire number seven, we don't talk about Starfire a lot, but I wanted to mention it for a couple of reasons. It's from Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor are writing it. It's fun in the same vein that Harley Quinn's fun. It, there's not, it doesn't often come off as very notable, which is why it doesn't come up on the show a lot. However, this issue is notable for further illuminating the problems of the DC Universe right now. Yeah. In that uh, when this series started, it, it very much felt like it was its own little bubble. Starfire is not, now living in Florida and comes off as someone who's just come to Earth, doesn't really understand customs or idioms or... Food, or you know, like this, this, that sort of fish out of water. What is, you know, what is this thing? Yeah. What is this love you speak of, kind of thing, you know? Right. And so, okay, so this is a a new take on Starfire, just you know, new to the planet Earth, and I get it. It's fun. I enjoy it. And this issue, because he's everywhere right now, Dick Grayson shows up, and she's like, "Oh, Dick, I thought you were dead." And I was so happy, you know. Like then it's it's a return to the well, Starfire was a Titan, and they were in love, and I was like, "Well, now that doesn't make any sense." Right. It just doesn't fit. It's like, this is the problem with the DCU, is that what they did at the reboot doesn't make any sense, and they keep trying to have it both ways instead of telling, telling the stories from the beginning again. Right. And keep, keep the history, but also restart the characters. And then when you run into situations like this, where, where this character who has been gone for so long, or I'm sorry, this character who has acted like they have never been around before suddenly has this whole history that they're referencing. You're like, well, I don't understand that. Why doesn't she understand what, what shopping is or showering, you know? It just makes you sigh. We'll get to that more in the email section. Yeah, we, we we sure will. Yeah, Twilight Children number three came out. Uh, another Vertigo title. Uh, this is a Darwin Cook, uh, Gilbert Hernandez book, and it just continues to, for me. It continues to delight. Well, this is the look. It's, it's <laughs> look. This is a beautiful comic. All right. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't understand what the fuck's going on. <laughs> in this particular issue, I felt like I've been hit in the head, woke up, and now I was trying to figure out what the hell's happening around me, and I don't know. I feel like things, random things are just happening for no reason. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to hold on to the story, but the, I'm not struggling to hold on to the art, which is gorgeous. Right. And even if I don't understand the story, I'm going to continue to read it because I like looking at it. But I don't know. I don't know what the hell. It is that. very much a Gilbert Hernandez story. I'll just say that. I mean, it is very, yeah. I mean, like, I mean it's, it's, it's weird stuff's going on in this town. And people are appearing and disappearing. And there's this random, beautiful woman who came out of nowhere. And she likes to play. And It's you not know, so it's, much the disappearing people, which I get. It's, it's, it's just people seem to be acting completely randomly. Like the, yeah, the, the, yeah. the two guys who are undercover. And then the doctor keeps trying to leave. And well, I think something, something, something is influencing their behavior in the town. Well, if that ends up being the case, then that'll make end up making sense. But right now, I just, I'm just like, I don't, I yeah. don't know what's happening. I don't know why anybody's doing anything. Just hold on and go for the ride. That's all you got to do, man. That's the best thing you can do with it with this kind of story. Just enjoy the sweet, sweet Darwin art. I mean, well, it's just, I am doing it's, that. Yeah, so, I mean, talk about Darwin art in a in like this tropical or this you know kind of you know sort of like Cuban like yeah, South Cuban. American and locale. Yeah. It's yeah. 
it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. To, a lot of fun to watch. A lot of fun to to read through. But yeah, so Star Wars corner. Quick little Star Wars corner. Actually, this is the last minute edition. The first Star Wars annual came out. And uh, it was written by Kieran Gillen uh, with art by Angel Unz- Unzueda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I might have mispronounced that name. And this is interesting because it's a standalone story. And this is something, you know, as, as we're in the Star Wars renaissance that we're in, um, I thought it was worth, worth talking about. So this is a standalone story about a, a rebel spy on Coruscant who believes that he has the opportunity to take out the Emperor and talks to Princess Leia via Hololink and gets the approval to to do it, and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. And we're you know we're kind of in, kind of realize that the guy realizes that the Emperor played him, and and that it's it's much harder to take him out than you than you would think. And it's just kind of a you know the the sad state of the Empire in and around after Star Wars, where you know where the the whole assassination attempt gets spun. You know, in the public by the emperor as as a, a rebel terrorist attack and all this sort of stuff, and these are the kind of stories. It's well done. You know, um, the artist Uzeda kind of is is a little Cassidy esque, but not too much. You know, um, drew good. You know, drew good emperor and drew good. You know, good. good the Crimson Guard were there and all that right. sort of stuff. But sometimes when you go too EU on the characters, it just that's when it loses me. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a new character. This is somebody like the, the only the only original the, the movie characters that we ever see are Palpatine and Palpatine and Leia over the Hololink, and this is just a random one-off story that happens on Coruscant, which is this kind of thing where it's like it was fun, but it's like these are the kind of stuff that Dark Horse did that I never read. I'm not interested in reading. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, so so it made me realize that like because because Josh and I were talking last night actually about the Star Wars books and you know what has made them so successful and so good on the Marvel side. And because it's tapping into the stuff that we know and love, and when you get a little too far away from that center, then it's you know it, it's a stretch. You know, well, I think that you can point to three elements is why Marvel's been so more successful than Dark Horse. One is, one is that yep. tying into the characters that people like, you know, in a broader sense. Yep. Two is they're putting high profile creators on it, and three, it's the frenzy around the movie. But yep. I, you cannot discount the fact that these these are books about Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie. Yep, and Darth Vader, as opposed to Kylo Renfair or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to, I don't care about those characters. Don't want to read the books, you know. Yeah, just don't care. So, yeah. and I think mo- I think most people are like that because I mean, you just look at the sales. They're they're yeah. they're very very many times what Dark Horse was selling with these yeah Knights of the Old Republic and Future Tales and all that stuff. Yeah, and I get I get from a creator standpoint that you want to give back to the myth to the myth, and you want to add things or whatever. But like, it's a ba- it's a balance. And th- this was this was well done. It was a good fun comic book, but I it didn't I didn't have the same emotional you know connection I had with the previous books. And it's funny because you look at the other books, and it's like, you know, the Chewbacca book by Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto mm-hmm. is very much way off of the center. I mean, Chewbacca's Chewbacca is the only character. In that, that and everything else is just you know they're they're aliens and stuff like that and they're new characters. But having Chewbacca as the tie to draw me back in, that's what makes it work. And it's so it's kind of like it's it's this mix, and you got to have enough of the familiar and enough of the emotional in order to build that bond. And when you go when you don't have that piece, yeah. it's it, it makes it that harder, that much harder. So I, I just the the ever evolving pre- uh, world of Star Wars just fascinates me, and so I'll continue to analyze it whenever I can. Listen, if Disney wants to do a Kylo Ren fair movie, <laughs> I'm down with it. We can talk. I, Kylo you know, Ren fair. <laughs> I'll write the script. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Those are the books we're going to talk about this week. You can go to fanboy.com and you can find the post for this show and talk about these books or other books you read. A lot of books this week. A lot of that, books, yeah. That we didn't get to talk about, but a uh, whole lot of Robin books, and I just didn't have the energy to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot, of, a lot of Robin. Why so much Robin? So let's uh, do some audience questions. The first email is from Ray from Long Island, New York. Yeah, what up, Ray? Uh, so do you think he's North Shore or South Shore? Uh, I, c- I cannot tell. No, no I cannot tell. I cannot tell. Would that color your feelings about Ray? No, not at all. Okay. If I have some friends from the South Shore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti South Shore. I'm just you know. Like it's so Ray from the South Shore of Long Island. Says, <laughs> Unknown. <laughs> Ray from LI, Strong Island. So recently, after finishing Miss Marvel number one, I got to thinking for several hours about the state of the Avengers roster right now. Marvel has clearly made a huge push for diversity by including Sam Wilson, Captain America. 
Jane Foster, Thor, Miles Morales, Miss Marvel, and Sam Alexander as Nova. Don't get me wrong, I love the diversity, but having the Avengers always been a comprised of the best heroes in the universe. Can we truly say that some of the, these younger characters are worthy to be on the roll call? Has Marvel lost sight of what makes a hero worthy to be an Avenger in their attempt to diversify their portfolio? What say you? You don't have to include this part, but I've been drinking quite heavily tonight. <laughs> We're definitely going to include that part. <laughs> Make, made that mistake. Yeah. Oh, well, Ray. Yeah. Oh, Ray. Ray, Ray, Ray. I would never call Dr. Druid one of the worthiest heroes in the Marvel Universe. Uh, that's for sure, yeah. The Avengers has always just been whatever. I think you're buying into the tagline too much. Earth's Mightiest Heroes is just their their marketing. It's right. uh, it was only only with Bendis that he decided they, that he went you know his Bendis's pitch you know the, the the lore is that Bendis's pitch to Marvel was let's return the Avengers to being like the Justice League you know the strongest characters right at least the, the, what the Justice League was like at the time yeah but you know the best and strongest characters in the in the universe and that's why you got your Captain America Wolverine Iron Man Spider Man situation but. Right. Before that, you had, you know, Dr. Druid and Captain Marvel, and you had Sandman, and you... Black Knight, Black Knight and, and, and Jack of Hearts, and yeah. I mean, if you yeah. Had, basically, if you're a superhero, if you put on the costume in the Marvel Universe, you've been an Avenger at one time or another. Triathlon. It's, just, it's never only been the, you know, the, the, the strongest and best heroes. It's, yeah. it's whoever. I mean, I mean, what's what's interesting is that yeah, you're and you're right. I mean, like if you look at the original lineup, Iron Man, Thor, you know, uh, Wasp, Ant Man, Hulk. Uh, Hulk team. You know, like the, that's from, the, from that's, issue one. That was the original lineup. Yeah, that was the original lineup because those are the only characters that were there when you think about it, right? They just say, said, okay, we've been doing right. all these other characters. Let's put them all in one book together. Then you know, you bring back Captain America and you add Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. But from then on out, like. It's always to me the Avengers. When the Avengers work, it's a mix of like a lot of power, either Captain America, Iron Man, or Thor, like one of those three, right? Right. And then a mix of questionable, inexperienced, not confident. You know, like that. You know, like giving a character an opportunity to rise to the to the to the top. To, to There's the, always to, new characters that, that they they, yeah. they want to train or they want to you know rage from uh, from a story standpoint. It's always good to have new characters because it mixes up mixes things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing, the thing. I mean, you remember Beast? You know, when Beast was an Avenger in the seventies, and Wonder the Man, 80s, and all yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, I mean, like you, you have a lot of flawed characters, and they're not saying that that the, these new characters are flawed or anything, but they're different, you know. And like honestly, you know, and I, I, I like the idea of Nova being on the team as the young Sam Alexander. I like that, you know, like Miles Morales as Spider Man. That's another kind of you know another example of a young you know kind of somebody who can learn. From from somebody like Sam Wilson and that sort of thing, you know. Right. You know, part of the fun of the Avengers is that mixing up those characters and seeing what happens and then seeing them save the day, you know. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that I don't think it's tokenism at all in any degree. I don't think it's like yes, we're trying to be diverse, so we're going to put all these diversity like that's not bad, you know. Like having Ms. Marvel on that team, you know, and and having you know Jane Foster, Thor, and having Miles, and you know, like it's it's an it's a cool mix, and it's and and it's representative of what's going on in the state of Marvel right now, and I think that's what the Avengers should be. I mean, Dark Hawk was an Avenger for God's sakes. Hey, don't you say a bad word about Dark Hawk. <laughs> Isn't he also from Long Island? I think he was. <laughs> Nova was from Long Island. Nova yeah, was our Nova was Nova. our yeah yeah it was our uh, Darkrock was either from the city or from Long Island. I forget where he was. Yeah, God, I love that book. <laughs> uh, no, he's from he was born in Queens. Oh well, close enough. So there you go. Yeah, close enough on the island. Yeah. Uh, yes, but he was an Avenger. He was in the New Warriors. He was also a West Coast Avenger. He was in Secret Defenders. Is he dead? Where is he? Uh, let's see. I closed the window. I think, Here it is. I think the world is ready for a Darkhawks return. I think it is. I think, uh, did he die in Avengers Arena? Or no? Once the series ended, Darkhawk was taken away to parts unknown, injured, but reunited with his amulet. So he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's on the shelf. It's, it's prime. It's prime for it. Although I did not see him in Battle World at all. I, th- I think if you, if you would guarantee you'd buy 25 copies of every issue, they might consider it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. None of every issue. Maybe just the first issue. All right. So our next email comes from Kyla from Chicago. Kyla Renfair. Uh, Kyla Renfair. Kyla, she says, really long-time listener since 2007. First time emailing. Jesus, 2007? Yeah, I know. Just hit first- me for a second. Her first time emailing, too, which is crazy. But she's thought on this long and hard. I like how every email. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I love that the listeners have taken and run with that dumb joke. And it, just... might, it might be our greatest our greatest accomplishment. Yeah. So, but, uh, so Kyla's thought about this long and hard. And... <laughs> <laughs> 
and have decided that three years is too long to take a break from reading comics. So I'd love to dive in head first. I found myself just testing the water, but a little nervous. I'm starting with, so I get the sense that she's been a long time listener, but she took three years off of reading comics. Now she's yes. coming back. Right. She started with The Vision, Doctor Strange, Phonogram, Black Magic, and Hawk for now. Mm-hmm. She says, it's sad that this list doesn't include any DC books, but I have no idea what to do there. Before taking a break, the only thing I could still read from DC without feeling sad was Scott Snyder's <laughs> Batman. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, <laughs> uh, you right there, Connor? Uh, just, just that, 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 that hit me where I live. Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. I'm so confused by what's happening in DC right now, I don't know what to read there anymore. My favorites used to be The Flash, Jonah Hex, Wonder Woman, and Batman, and I love Stephanie Brown's Batgirl storyline. My break was a response to how busy life got and also how hard it was to expect a good story from anyone but Scott Snyder. I realize I'm stuck in the past. I'm scared to start reading DC again and really miss my favorite characters. Any suggestions on what to read from DC or anywhere else and also how to understand what's happened with DC over the past couple of years would be appreciated. <laughs> well, geez, Kyla. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tall order. <laughs> I, I wish I could help her understand what's happening in DC right now. Yeah. Whew, this is tough. I, I would – Kyla is not far off. People in my real life ask me all the time which they should be reading from DC and – I always start with Snyder and Capullo's Batman, and then I Stop. sort of trail off. As a fan of Stephanie Brown's Batgirl, which I was as well, you got to try the new Batgirl. It is one of the best books DC's putting out. Cameron Stewart, Babs Tar. Yep. Yep. And who's the other writer? Brendan Fletcher. Brendan Fletcher, yep, yep. And it very much captures that feeling. I know people who love Stephanie Brown's Batgirl have a hard time letting that go, but this particular version feels new and fresh and current. It feels like a character living in the present world has that fun sort of vibe that Stephanie Browns did of a young girl on you know trying to make it on her own and not just as a superhero but also in life and I really do recommend that for Kyla from Chicago if she was a big fan of Stephanie Brown before yeah but I have a hard time moving beyond that with DC right now it's tough and like and the question of like what happened or what's going on like I I don't know I don't know you know what I mean? Like we, we, we looked at it and analyzed it and all stuff like that. And like you've got this little corner of when Mark Doyle took over the Batman books, we moved from Vertigo to Batman and, and we got, you know, and we got Batgirl and we got, got you know, uh, Black Canary and yeah. Gotham Academy and all right. that sort of stuff. That was kind of like a little bit of newness and freshness. But at the same time, it was just kind of the same New 52 you know, yeah. by the number superheroing, and then, but you're like, all right, cool, maybe something new and exciting is coming out of this. But then the reports coming out of it was like, well, those didn't sell well, so those are going away. Right. You know, the the quote unquote stop Batgirling the DC universe. You know, right. and and it's I I honestly I don't know. It's like DC used to be so cohesive and tight. Yeah. And now it's just all over the place. It's just a I mess. Have, I haven't read a Flash comic in like three years, and it really bums me out. Yeah, me you too. Know? I love that show so much, and then I yeah. can't I can't read a Flash comic that I enjoy. And 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 that, that that's something I was going to say, which is like the answer, Kylo, might be watch Old the stuff. Flash. No, watch the Flash and Arrow, because honestly, like that that's that's scratching my or Supergirl. Yeah, or Supergirl. Like I was a I was a huge. Why there's not a Supergirl book? Don't even get me started. You know, I was a huge fan. I, I'm a huge fan of the Flash. I have an enormous lithograph hanging on my wall of the Flash. You know, like I love. You know, I love Green Arrow. I love Green Lantern. And like those books just are, ring hollow to me now, and so I get my itch by watching The Flash and Arrow. On the other hand, though, I'm not going to spoil it, but a major character from the DCU, one of my favorites, showed up on Supergirl this past week in a surprise. I know, yeah. And uh, they used the horrible New 52 design of that character. Of course they did. And yeah. I just sort of, I was happy for a second, and then I put my head in my hands. Yeah. It was just like you cannot escape it right now. You can't. And and I and I don't know, but the thing is like I wish I could tell you that this is the strategy of what they're doing, but I don't I don't I I don't know. I can as a, as an observer as a you know, I just don't I don't know what the motivation is or what the plan is. So what else can she read? Not not just a DC, but so she reading the Vision, Doctor Strange, Phonogram, Black Magic, Huck. Yeah. I would suggest you catch up on Smatter's Batman. Yeah. I would suggest Batgirl. Yeah. And what else can we give her? Let's give her a couple more. I mean, I mean, the standby. I mean, Saga continues to be one of oh, the best comics sorry. out there. Let me, let, yeah. me, let me break in for a second. Yeah. If you like Stephanie Brown's Batgirl, you must read Miss Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah, that's you good. That's good. You, that's, must, that, you must read Miss Marvel. Yeah, yeah, I would say do that as well yeah. too. So there you go. Now continue with uh, Saga. Well, no, I was, yeah, I would say Saga definitely is is one. Um, I mean, you're starting off well with Vision, Doctor Strange, Phonogram, Black Magic, and Hawk. Those are all those are all good. I mean, you know, if you like Phonogram, maybe check out Wicked and the Divine. You know. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe check out Bitch Planet. You know, like I, I don't, I don't know how far and wide you'd want to go on in in that regard. I can't speak. I can't recommend anything on DC on the DC side though. That's the problem. Astro City. Oh uh, yeah, I mean Astro City for classic. I mean to to scratch your classic super you know superhero you know the Flash itch or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely Astro. You know, go go back if you've never read Astro City. Go back and get Volume One and start at the beginning and and have go get the Confessor storyline and just you know have fun with it. Right. That's the thing is that like it's it's like it's one thing to want new single issues that are coming out but there's just a wealth of stuff that is available digitally and in print you'll never be able to read all the back issues yeah you'll never yeah yeah exactly so and it's new to you well thank you kyla for writing in and for listening for so long back to 07 that's amazing we appreciate it and if you want to email us and let us know if you have any questions or anything like that you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com and always let us know where you're from and it's always good to hear how long you think about things yes all right this is the Second to last show of the year. Last week we talked about our top five creators of 2015. And so this week we thought we would talk about our top five comics of 2015. And uh, I I had a hard time with this, Ron. I had a really hard time narrowing this down. Why did you have such a hard time with it? Narrowing it down. Because, you know, as much as we just talked about how rough DC is, there's still such a wealth of great books going on right now. This list could have easily been five image books, you know, or a a different five image books. Or, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of great comics, so I had a hard time. It's always that fifth slot. You know, yeah. you, you, get, you get four right away, and then you're like, well, this book, oh, what about this book? Oh, this one. Yeah. So uh, I had a hard time. But my first one, and I think it's probably my book of the year, is Airboy. Okay. From James Robinson and Greg Hinkle. I, I haven't read anything that emotionally raw, yet also being supremely entertaining. Yep. You know, it wasn't like uh, depressing, emotionally raw. It was, we're going to tell a really personal story. You know, while also fighting Nazis with superheroes. And it, it was the most brave and interesting book of the year for me. Uh, the Fade Out continues to be uh, my favorite crime story. I think this is, we talked about how this might be Brubaker and Phillips' best run together. Yeah. Best series. Uh, it, it scratches all my favorite itches, crime, old Hollywood, drunken writers in over their heads. You know, this book is ending. It's a 12-issue series. It's great, but I, w- I wish in some ways it would never end just because I love living in this world. Astro City really rebounded for me this year. This volume of Astro City has really recaptured that old glory of the book, and uh, it's returned to the top for me. Excellent. Southern Bastards. Whew, Southern Bastards is one of those books you read at the end, and you just go, damn, man, there's a, there's a lot of shit going down in this book. And, uh, and it, you know, I still mourn the loss of Scalped. Even I don't, it's weird to say that for a book that went 60 issues, but... It was a book that uh, I loved reading every every month, and this is a book that recaptures that feeling. And really, in, in the same way of Airboy, sort of digs deep to tell some really personal stories about Jason Aaron and Jason Latour's feelings about small towns in the South, while also tell, doing it in an interesting way. And uh, every issue is, a, is an awful delight. I'll just put it that way. And then finally, I'm going to round it out with Miss Marvel from Marvel Comics. No matter what volume we're talking about, one of the best new characters in superhero comics has created in a long time. She's fun. She's delightful. She really enjoys being a superhero. She's a really great, engaging personality. I just like hanging out with her every month, telling really great stories with really non-traditional superhero art and doing it in a fun and, and exciting and fresh way. So those, I think, are my top five of the year. Cool. It's funny because like you, I struggled with this as well too, but not – I mean it's funny because you talk about there's so many great books out there. I struggled because I just think there are so many books out there. <laughs> and and it's not that I think that's something so great and, and it might have to and, – and Josh and I were talking about that talking about this this week and it might very well reflect a lot of where I am as a reader and as a fan. But you know, I'm struggling with – I feel like there's a lot of books that are – there's a lot of homogenization. There's a lot of playing it safe. There's not, you know, like I kind of look for things that push the limits and, you know, and and are, you know, kind of edgy or whatever. And I feel like this year was not a good year for that. So my kind of approach, though, to, to this is kind of, you know, okay, well, if I can walk into the comic store, bookstore tomorrow and I can only buy five books. Right. What books, what books are those? Like, do I have to live with? Okay. And um, I think this list might surprise some folks knowing my history and all that sort of stuff. The only Marvel book on my list Ooh. is Star Wars. Wow. Which, yeah, which is a double whammy, right? Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I find myself like what Jason Aaron has done with the telling the stories that happen after the first movie and before Empire Strikes Back have completely delighted me and like kind of tapped into this, you know, and, 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 and you know, part of it is like, I'm, you know, like we, we're all longtime Star Wars fans and grew up with it and all stuff like that. So it's definitely scratching an emotional and a sentimental itch, but it's, it's also really good. Yeah. 
And, you know, yes, it, you know, it launched with John Cassidy last year, but this year when you've got Stuart Eminem doing what Eminem does, like it just was like the best comic book I was reading on a regular basis. I would get my stack would be the first book I read. Mm-hmm. So I got to I got to give some respect to that. So uh, definitely good for Star Wars. I agree with you on Southern Bastards. Southern Bastards, again, Jason Aaron and also Jason Latour is a comic that is edgy and pushes the limits. And that's what I want. That's what I want out of my comics, you know, and, it, and it's one one that's presenting a world and a point of view that is I that is new to me, that is uh, different than what I'm uh, uh, been exposed to, but also feels really real and raw. And, and it's just, yeah, so um, I can't say enough about what those guys do on Southern Bastards. Also with Black Science. Hmm. Black Science by Rick Remender and Mateo Scalera, I think pound for pound has been some of the best comics that Remender, who's already done amazing comics, has ever done. You know, like crazy, crazy ideas, you know, that are bound together by raw kind of emotion and, and you know, and personality. You know, Remender pours a ton of himself onto the pages of every book he does. And I feel like Black Science is, you know, and it's hard. Trust picking a Remender book between Deadly Class and Low and Black Science is like it's a matter of inches. Right. But Black Science to me is the one that, that, that I think really truly does shine. And, you know, this is a more recent one, but uh, as of right now, you give me monthly Dar- Darwin Cook and I'm going to take it. So I'm putting Twilight Children on the list. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I know we talked about it earlier and how, you know, the story is a bit confusing, but like I can just I, – I think I this week's issue I read like three times and like the second and third time was just flipping through the pages, just admiring the art. Darwin, you know, we, we said last week he's the chairman of emeritus. Yes. He, you know, is, is the, the best cartoonist I think that is working and, and I'll take whatever I can get from him. And then finally the last book I have uh, is The Wicked and the Divine just because, you know, I, I – like I said, I was talking last week or two weeks ago about Phonogram and what Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey have been doing as a creative team and just growing and like doing the best work of their careers and getting better and taking more risks and taking more challenges. I just love to see it. And, and what they've done this year by mixing it up to allow Jamie to go phonogram and work with other creators and have other artists interpret their characters and do that has been really kind of fun to watch as well. So yeah, so those are my five. Those are the books that I would I, absolutely, that, that is my core pull list at the end of 2015 that I can't miss out. I'm surprised that, that I don't, the Airboys on the list. Well, I, that's the thing is that like I, I I really really enjoyed Airboy and you you said a lot of great things about it. Airboy would I, I think part of it is because of the self contained nature and the four issues and then there's not going to be any more. Like it was a great like a, a great moment and a great project, but from an ongoing basis, you know, like it's it's done. You know, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's rough. Air, Airboy Airboy very well could have been six or seven on my list. Okay. You know, like it's very high up there. So we have a voicemail to play. Yep. Who could this be from? <laughs> hey guys, it's it's Josh. What's funny is I've never ever heard the voicemail line. I've never heard what Rob says at the beginning of it. Um, and I, I don't appreciate what you said about me. Now it's a stupid joke. So I'm calling in because I, uh, I'm i a worldly business traveler and I could not make the show this week, but I was instructed by uh, Connor Dercommissar uh, Kilpatrick uh, to call in and let you know what my top five comics of the year were um, and I just don't want to upset him. Okay, and, and I know I couldn't be on the show because I have a job and I have to, I have to do things sometimes. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. But you don't upset Connor. So here we go. Um, I'm going to say it's in no particular order because it's easier for me to say that. Um, but let's go with number... Num- uh, see, I was going to number them. I'm not going to. Uh, first one, uh, Rebels. Uh, from from uh, from Brian Wood uh, and, and some 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 different artists over from Dark Horse, um, really well done and interesting revolutionary war um, fictional history, which I know, and and some real history. Um, minimum wage. Uh, this time uh, Bob Fingerman wrapped up his series. I guess there's going to be another one, um, but his second series. Uh, so many bad decisions came out this year, and the reason this is on my list is because. It was the book I was most excited to see every time it came out. When I went, when I went through, this, through the stack or through the list, I saw, oh, it's a minimum wage book uh, week, and I was I was thrilled. Um, Prez, super interesting, smart, funny book from DC Comics, not not Vertigo or anything. Um, really great surprise. Um, really enjoying that book. Southern Bastards, Jason's Jason's Aaron and Latour. Are, are making one hell of a comic book. It's, it's all the feelings that I had from uh, from Scalped and, and then something else a little different with a whole other flavor and uh, it's very, very good. Obviously, we told you that. And then finally, Airboy uh, from James Robinson and Greg Hinkle. 
That's my number one, by the way. If I ever had to pick one, best best thing that I have read, uh, best thing that I've read this year by far. Super brave, super interesting. All right, good luck with the show, guys, and I'll be back on the show at another time. Did he call me Rob at the beginning of that? I, I think he might have. I think he did. Uh, it, it, it's probably good to preface that uh, he actually recorded that after we were out drinking. So there you go. <laughs> so that so that happened. Uh, <laughs> so if all three of us pick Southern Bastards, does that make it the book of the year for I think? I, I agree. I, it has to be. But then yep. again, if two of us picked Airboy as their number one, does that outweigh three picks of Southern Bastards? I might. I might. You see, I'm gonna. You, you hate it when I bend the rules, but no, I might. Okay. I might. I might say Airboy is the book of the year, mm-hmm, but not your top five. Whereas Southern Bastards is the series of the year. You know what I mean? Like it's the ongoing series of the year. So you you're discriminating against it because it's a miniseries. A little bit. A little bit. Right. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. if I think Airboy's the book of the year. I think I, if I if you had to put put a gun in my hand and say what's the book of the year, it's Airboy. That was an immense accomplishment. All right. So we'll next week when we discuss the picks of the week numbers. Maybe we'll yeah. maybe we'll get a better idea of what the actual I family book of the year is. Maybe we'll figure that out next week. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, until then, uh, we'll t- we'll do that next week. Until then, let's yeah. talk about some other things going on. Yeah. So uh, we pulled it off. <laughs> you and I and Mike Romo came together and we talked about Jessica Jones. Jessica. Uh, Jessica. And so if you go back to ifanboy.com or look back on the feed, the, the episode previous to this one is our uh, really, really fun discussion about uh, Jessica Jones. I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy the conversation? I did. And I, what's interesting about our discussion, just to pat us on the back a little bit, is that I've, I've had two separate conversations with people in the last week about Jessica Jones, and they all echoed the same points we did. Everyone thinks it should have been eight episodes. Yep. I agree. Yep. I think we're right on. And I'm so mad because like four days after we recorded, I remembered some a point I wanted to make on the show, which I didn't, which, was which I'm going to make now, which was that I've never related more to a character than the scene when Killraven is in the coffee shop looking at real estate and it's noisy and he just yells, everyone shut up. <laughs> and like, at that moment, I was like, I think I love him. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Jessica Jones was great. It was a bit long in the tooth. It wasn't as good as Daredevil, but hear more of our reactions. Uh, go listen the podcast if you disagree with us let us know on ifanboy.com on the thread about the about the uh, episode goodfellas minute still going still going strong still going we do another podcast called goodfellas minute at goodfellasminute.com where every monday through friday josh ron and i and sometimes a special guest analyze the movie goodfellas one minute at a time and we are about halfway through the movie at this point yeah no we're a little less than halfway well, like we've recorded halfway, but what just, uh, episode episode sixty minute sixty just came out, so we're about an hour into the movie is for the rest of the folks. So, oh, God, this yeah. just feels like it's never going to end. It's crazy. It feels like we will always be talking about Goodfellas, but we have a little really good time. They're short shows, about fifteen twenty minutes every Monday through Friday. You can find those over at goodfellasminute.com. and uh, we we appreciate everybody who checks that out. Yes. And so uh, December continues and the holidays are full swing. So it's, it's good to check in with our schedule so you're aware of what you can expect in the upcoming weeks. There's one more Pick of the Week show coming out. Uh, next week's show is going to release on December 20th. That will be our final Pick of the Week show for the year. And then we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a couple of weeks off as we enjoy the holidays. But we're not going to leave you without more shows to listen to. The you might A little, a little movie come, is coming out in, uh, this week called Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, God. Is it this week? Yes, it is. Um, Star Wars is coming out. In, uh, I'm going to four days from when this episode releases. Oh, my see. God. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so we're all going to see Star Wars. We've committed all seeing it. Unfortunately, it also runs in with a lot of our travel. Um, I know I'm literally flying back east for the holidays mere hours after I'm getting out of the movie. So, right. so what we're going to do is we're all going to see it. We, I actually might end up seeing it a couple of times before we convene and record the podcast. Oh, are you fancy? Well, I want to take my nieces, so I might do that. So anyway, but um, but we will be getting together and recording a podcast with our thoughts of it. And you can expect that probably around December 22nd or so. We're going to do our best to get it out as quickly as possible because we know uh, everybody's going to want to talk about Star Wars. And so do we. And then on December 27th, on the the normal release date for the Pick a Week show, you can expect our year-end all-media show. That's where the three of us are going to talk about our favorite movies and TV shows and books and music and games and all fun stuff like that. Everything, a little bit of comics, but mostly uh, non-comic stuff. And I know that's something that, that I look forward to every year, and uh, hopefully you do as well too. So expect that extra long show on the 27th to get you through the new year. And then we will return for the Pick of the Week podcast on January 10th. There will be no show on January 3rd because we're going to be celebrating. We're gonna, still going to be hungover. Yeah. But then we'll be back on January 10th for another year of iFanboy, and we hope you join us. That's a lot, Ron. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. If you see Star Wars more than two times in between, I'm going to kill you. 
Why? I'm going to be jealous. All right. Well, there you go. I'm so. flying across the country two times. In, I know. In oh. the course of the movie coming out. Well, listen, listen. <laughs> it's true. So yeah, you got me beat there. You got me beat there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Right. In the meantime, head over to iFanboy.com, comment on this show, talk about this week's books. You can find all the other podcasts, like Ron mentioned, the Jessica Jones Show. Jessica! And you can follow us all at Facebook.com slash iFanboy and, and iFanboy on Twitter. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And uh, you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO. Yes, and if you like the show, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, talk to your comic book store, uh, tell anybody who likes comics to go to ifanboy.com and check out the show, and also go to iTunes, write a review, it helps us out, as well as any other podcast that you like, uh, write a review. It's always good to let people know what you think. Help us spread the word. We really appreciate it. Um, So that's it for this week's show. Hopefully Josh will come back next week. Hopefully he's uh, not too hungover. What did you do to him? Uh, nothing. <laughs> you gave him one beer, didn't you? One beer. Half, like, a half of one. It was he, nothing. He's like a gremlin. I know. So uh, until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Good night. Malikalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright The sun to shine by day and all the stars at night Malikalikimaka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas A very Merry Christmas A very, very Merry Merry Christmas to you